Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. We are both writers over at the MichiganInsider.com and Mich- uh, Michigan.247sports.com. You can check out all of our stories there, but we try to try to do this podcast, talk about some of the some of the issues you guys want to hear about. So feel free to um, tweet at us or, or chime in on the, on the message board if you, wanna, if you have a question, if you have a topic idea, if you have something you want to talk about. Also, if you like the podcast, uh, definitely share it with your friends. Rate it on, on iTunes or, or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that goes a long way to helping us continue to do this more and more often. Uh, and, and we like to hear the feedback, too, even if it's not five stars. You know, we can take it. But anyway, this podcast, we're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh's comments. He's been pretty quiet in 2020 so far, but we're going to talk about Jim Harbaugh's comments. He did an open letter to the football community uh, proposing a number of changes that he would like to see. And first, at, on the surface, uh, Steve, I, I, I imagine you somewhat agree with me. I think this was – I agree with – for the first time ever, I, I agree with literally almost anything, everything he said. Um, you know, I think he, he talked about players should be able to have the opportunity, not should leave, but have the opportunity to leave before their three years are up. Um, I, he talked about the one-time transfer rule that he's been kind of pushing for over a year. Uh, he, he talked about uh, the scholarship limit. You know, that one's a little trickier. I think that's that one was not maybe one of the, the big heavy-hitting ones. Um, but really across the board, and, and, and there's two things here. One, I actually agree with all of his points. And two, as far as the strategy of, of him doing this open letter this time of year, I think was a really smart idea and really savvy move by him because whether you think these are the best moves or not, it's very hard to say, hey, Jim, this, this was stupid for any of those ideas. And and you like you can't argue it, and so he ends up appearing in Sports Illustrated, uh, you know all these all these you know high profile ESPN, um, the Athletic, so on and so on, all these high profile websites are writing about him in a positive manner in the middle of May when there's literally nothing going on. So Steve, we'll, we can unpack some of these ideas and and maybe a little bit of a Michigan angle to all of them in a moment, but just the open letter in general it was like a a Thursday afternoon. Um, but but really just seemed to come out looking very good for Jim Harbaugh. I know you joked about how there, there's going to be some spin. I didn't see any major spin from anyone that wasn't a, a fan of someone who doesn't like Michigan, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was thinking actually more along the, the lines of some different national and, and regional writers. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, it wasn't ended up not being – so much about there not being any spin as it was those types of those national writers, regional writers were pretty quiet uh, about what Harbaugh had to say, which to me uh, validates a lot of what he proposed uh, within his letter. Cause there's really, you know, if it's not clear by now that he's serious about the student athlete type deal. And I know some criticized the terms. I saw a couple tweets like, you know, criticizing the term, student athlete as far as you know how much money these guys generate all that type of stuff the student stuff is all a facade maybe for like a handful of a percentage of them but for a lot of these guys you know the student side is what will end up you know being the most beneficial to them 15 20 years down the road 
And Harbaugh has been super serious about that side of the coin. Uh, you talk about even something like the team trips and stuff. Are they direct like student experiences as far as, you know, you're not taking a test and learning things out of a book? No, but it's, it's a great, like almost a study abroad, you know, a condensed study abroad type experience for the players. Uh, you know, the APR for Michigan under Harbaugh has been, I believe, the highest in program history uh, the last couple of years or within the last three years, they've had their t- t- uh, two highest APRs or something along those lines. It, it has. I, I will not to take anything away. I mean, it's still impressive, but I do think APRs are rising around the country. Sure. Sure. So that's kind of a byproduct of increased um, resources, increased like counselors and advisors that these athletes have access to. But yeah, I think, I think I'll let you continue with your point because I think it's a sound one is that you can critique Harbaugh in a lot of ways. I, I don't think he has – I think he's very um, much in the student-athlete's corner. And I think in this letter he outlines he was in their shoes. And I think he doesn't talk about that a ton when he makes a lot of his points. But I think in this case uh, it was really smart of him because, I mean, he's talking about his experience. And I think, I think it, it enhances his perspective a little bit. Don't you think it's funny, though, that – because he has, like, the, here's the other one, too, that is always always uh, interesting, ironic to me, was the satellite camps. And that was much more from the athletic perspective of things. But imagine of all the things that the NCAA shuts down. Now, I know there's the recruiting contact stuff there and, you know, all that whole deal. But this was a situation where Harbaugh pretty much, you know, I know he wasn't the first satellite camp, but really that that tour they made, was the what really put these things on the map. Imagine of all the things going on with the NCAA, like with, with schools and recruiting and stuff, that these wide-open camps that Michigan said, any school in the country can come help us coach at these camps, at any of these stops that are giving a multitude of athletes who might not be heavily recruited or might live in an area where, you know, play uh, coaching staffs and and even small schools may not know about or you know a legitimate opportunity to work out in front of uh you know a wide variety of college staffs uh and that's the thing that they ban <laughs> and basically put a huge cap and a huge limit on when Michigan went to how many I mean how many different places they went that year but like think about I mean they were in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi they did one in Leesburg Georgia at uh, Aubrey Solomon, Otis Reese's high school. Right. You know, and like, it's just, it's hilarious to me that, you know, that that's what they limit on. And then he, then he comes out with a letter like this and he did, he did receive a decent amount of praise for this. I agree, but still in a a lot of, a lot of silence too, uh, based on like just the admittedly, admittedly limited, perusing I did of some national like uh, writers and Twitter feeds, uh, but very few opinions on it. I know one opinion, I won't say by who really only focused on the idea that, well, there aren't really many college athlete or football players that this is going to impact because it's like only once every four or five years could a, a sophomore or freshman like leave, you know, for the right, NFL. Right. And it's like, Okay, I understand that, but right now they don't even have that opportunity, period. And with a seven-round NFL draft, 
you know, we can maybe talk, discuss this a little more. Yeah, in depth. we'll go, we'll go through each of these ideas. Um, actually we can do that right now. Cause we're not like we have anything else to talk about <laughs> unless there is more you had to say about the general. Um, no, I think it was a great, I think it was a great thing and it was yet another indication that, I mean, from my standpoint, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but that Harbaugh takes the student athlete side of the, the true full experience of the college athletes situation four or five year situation academically and athletically takes it more seriously than any uh, head coach in the country. And I would love to hear arguments in favor of anybody else. Yeah, I'd have to do, I mean, I, I cover Jim Harbaugh full time. I don't cover anyone else at all. So, so if someone else has a perspective to share, um, feel free. I, I know, I mean, I think more and more, especially like the new wave of coaches, I think are, are more thoughtful of the student athlete, but I still remember, I mean, even last year at big 10 media days and I was there for all 14 coaches and, and they all got asked about transfers and, and the eligibility and stuff. And, um, even, even a lot of the younger, newer coaches and, and, you know, guys who were athletes in the last 20 years and, and stuff like that, they were all kind of like, oh, I don't know, it'd be like a new free agency. They were kind of hemming and hawing. And then, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh comes out and says, I think they should, they should be allowed to transfer once. No questions asked, you know, just let it happen. And, um, <laughs> and he kind of got, he got ripped, he got ripped for a couple things he said as an accessory to that comment, but he also got ripped for that comment. He's like, like people were just so against this idea of change. And then a year later, it's like, now it's are like mad that it didn't go through. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> exactly. A great microcosm, honestly, of how he's covered nationally. I'm not going to say locally. Cause I don't believe that's the case. I think most people locally understand in these types of situations where he's coming from, but nationally. Yeah. You know, crapped on, for the original comment sort of really being a step ahead. And then, yeah, now, yeah, you're talking about a deal where it's like, you know, everyone cries foul yeah. uh, now that it's not going to happen right away. So, so let's, let's walk through these ideas. Um, and, and if we, for a couple of them, I, I do want to bring some Michigan angles and we can actually start with the big one that you were, you were just discussing is um, leaving early earlier, I should say, for the NFL draft. And, and I, think th I think the point is sound. I don't think it would be a ton of players. My, the thought I had in my head was somewhere between 15 and 25 players who are freshmen or sophomores who would go. And I actually, I've advocated for this rule for at least a year. I, if I didn't say it on this podcast, I definitely said it on the radio show. I, I don't think the NCAA personally can justify being an amateur sport now, this is the NFL's rule. I'm not, not saying that the NCAA is wrong here, but if the NCAA wants to be amateur, I think they have to, um, they meaning them and the NFL, have to come to an agreement where players can leave for the draft whenever. I mean, I, I, it's, it's funny to me because it's like all the other, pretty much almost anything you can study at Michigan, you can leave early to go pro if you want to. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, obviously there's exceptions, like you can't go be a doctor early on, but a lot of, a lot of fields, even if it's advisable to get a college degree, you can still leave college early and go make money. If, if you are truly a genius at your craft, like if you're a world-class cello player, you can go to college for a semester and then just go to a pro. Uh, you know, Madonna was at Michigan on a, on a dance scholarship and then she left early cause she got a record deal. And, and, you know, you can talk about 
actors and actresses around the country. I mean, it's just, it's, it's always been baffling to me. And, and honestly, in, um, in all the other sports, you can go, you can leave early too. I mean, baseball, baseball, I think has a pretty cool system for them where you either go out of high school or you, you're signed up for three years. I think that can work for baseball because of the minor league system. Um, but technically, if you really were sick of college and you were an amazing baseball player, you wouldn't be drafted. You'd have to find another way to, to climb up the ranks, but you, you could just leave college and go make money playing baseball somewhere. So it's, I've always thought this was true. And, and I, I think it, it's worth noting to fans who are maybe worried about this. Cause you know, you do, I, I, I can see where fans are frustrated. They don't want their favorite player to leave after one or two years. It, it kind of stinks in basketball for fans, but yeah, I don't think this would be too many. I think this would be, kind of maybe 25. I think you'd see running backs who were really good successes as freshmen and sophomore, like a Jonathan Taylor. Um, you, you probably see them leave early. I think you'd see probably the top two or three quarterbacks every year would leave like a Trevor Lawrence, um, someone, someone who's got polished that teams, teams would probably draft to be a backup for a couple of years and then they'd go pro. And then you'd see like the occasional crazy freak athlete, you know, Jabril Peppers, Rashawn Gary, uh, Jadavian Clowney. I think he's the perfect example for why this is a great rule or why this would be a great rule because what did he do his junior year? He basically, and not to dig at him, he's an amazing athlete. I, I, this isn't a question of his character, but he basically played to not get hurt his junior year and basically did everything he could to not put himself at risk, which obviously hurt the team's title potential and championship potential. So, you know, and, and there's, there's other cases of that, but sometimes players more so now than maybe 10, 20 years ago, sometimes they're just ready to go and a team would draft them and it might not be first round, but a team would draft them and say, Hey, maybe they don't start year one, but we can work them in. And I think I don't know. I, th- I think in the long run, fans might appreciate that more because you don't have players who don't want to be on in college. And, and um, I know this is an example that Michigan fans can relate to a little bit more, but like Nick Bosa, I, I know he had the injury too, but he didn't want to play his junior year. <laughs> he would have so much rather just, just sat out. And now, now there doesn't have to be that weird toxicity of it all. It's they can, they can just be pros. And I, 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 for one, really like that. Again, I'd, I'd love to see the market and see how many of these players would be drafted. But I think it'd be probably around 2025. Um, and I think it's – and that's cool. I mean, great. You can achieve your dreams and make money in a very physically demanding sport a little bit sooner. I feel really bad for running backs who are out of the league by age 27 who got like four or five years in the league and, and were amazing, like Pro Bowl running backs. And then they're out of the league because uh, it's just such a, such a short shelf life of careers. And plus, unlike, the other, unlike baseball, you know, injuries are a little bit more apparent in football. And so when you play, when you're playing to not get hurt, I mean, it, I, I hate to sound so callous about it, but a lot of times you'll end up getting hurt or playing worse. So it's, to me, I, I like that rule. Um, I, I, and then to couple it, I do like the, if you aren't drafted in the top, I don't know why he said 224. Was that the top six rounds or something? 
I don't know uh, where that number came from. I think it's I think it's the top. I think seven times thirty-two is two twenty-four, right? So, um, I, I said that really confidently. Right. I guess either way. So I think it's correct. Anyway, I I kind of like I like that too. Uh, I don't think that one. I mean, I do think these. I don't know about the scholarship component of it. Like you'd hate to have you know, fill someone's spot and then he's coming back because he fell in the drafts. But I, I, I am intrigued by that one. I am intrigued by it for basketball too. Um, I kind of like it. I mean, if, if you, you know, you, you hear things from agents, you hear things from the, from the draft grade that you get and you try to make the best decision, but you don't know what's going to happen. People slide out of the draft. Um, you know, people slide further than they thought they would. I don't hate that rule either. I don't, I, I'm not quite as, um, you know, heavily in favor of it or any, I don't have as much of an opinion on it, but uh, I do feel bad when people slide in the draft. And if there's an opportunity for them to return, I don't, if someone else can figure out the scholarship situation, I don't really have any reservations with it. So, so you say about 25 guys, right? That's your estimate, just a rough estimate. Yeah. Right. About every year, about, the number 25 about how many of the 25 are there of every, every year that come into college football, five-star recruits. Yeah. Right. So everything's always about recruiting at the end of the day. Who do you think Harbaugh is advocating for in a situation like that? Five-star recruits. Right. right? So, that's part. I, I I believe in a way. If this if this was you know and, and this might never come to fruition, which actually so this is I I had some thoughts on this. Okay, tell me if I'm way off here or not. Is you know what are the odds that what he wrote yesterday this thing is gonna is it's gonna change or not? Like if it actually come to fruition, anything he wrote, right? We don't know. I'm well, leaning no. I think right. it depends on what Trevor Lawrence. If he ever speaks out on this. Or, you know what, I'm, I hate to be like this. If something bad happens to Trevor Lawrence, sure, this rule gets changed immediately. Reactionary, not proactive, right? Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. This is what's interesting to me. Harbaugh comes out with this, and like, and he, he's, he's probably in the same boat as we are, thinking, you know, it's not like he's thinking about, yeah, like not like 80 or 90 guys are going to leave early, you know, because especially with football, they're going to get feedback and it's going to be like, you're a long ways away physically, you know, skill-wise, whatever. Well, I could see a situation where if these rules aren't passed, that he could use this to his advantage on the recruiting trail to say to like a five-star guy, like, hey, like I'm in your corner mm-hmm. more than – any of these other any co- any any coach in the country, it's factually right here. I'm more in your corner. I don't know. So you know, because I always look at every everything from a recruiting angle. Same reason with the ca- the the cap per class. It's all about recruiting. Hundred percent. Don't want to be limited. Yeah. To a certain number each year, which is yeah. fair, and you know it allows might potentially allow more opportunities for guys, other guys, lower ranked guys, the ones that Michigan fans don't like that Michigan takes, you know, that the, the guys that kind of roll the dice on or whatever. So, um, so that was, that was one of the things I thought of. It's like, it is kind of a, it's a very 
savvy move from a recruiting standpoint too because yeah he's basically and and I'm not speaking like literally just a five-star prospect but those top of the lot the top guys you know that that could potentially be ready after a year or two and and I think you're spot on with the running back deal where yeah I mean that's half the reason that Bama would load up on running backs because they started telling guys hey if you come here you won't have to carry the ball a ton right you have so many good backs that you can split them and you'll be fresh by the time you get drafted and you'll have a longer NFL career uh so I think it's there's a lot of truth in that especially that position but that it's a deal where whether if it comes true or doesn't come true that you know Michigan and and Harbaugh come out looking good as again as far as advocating for these guys to have the actual yeah because they don't even have the choice right now uh to just even have the choice and and it could turn out to be a lot like basketball where the feedback, if anything, will be as vital whether they go or not, just going through the process and getting the feedback and learning about the process is something that, you know, say a guy does it, goes in, hey, you know, I'm not ready. I had 25 NFL teams say, you know, fifth round, sixth round, that's not worth the risk to me. But now right. I know I've already been through the process. Now, now I'm going to go back to – school for another year, work out, get a lot better. And when I come back and I'm a second, third rounder, I'll already been through the process. I know how it works and I can, you know, maximize my, you know, type deal. So yeah, fascinating stuff. I, like I said, I look at it from a recruiting angle and I think uh, step ahead here again. I mean, this is a smart, it's a smart move and it's a smart angle to take, you know, right now with everything that's going on or whatever. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, and, and it would have an, a Michigan impact. I, this might end up being a, a story I write is kind of digging through the past 20 years and seeing who would have gone early. I got to think Braylon Edwards takes a peek uh, he, after his 1,000-yard sophomore season. Chad Henney had a really good sophomore season. You know, does he – I don't know if he gets drafted as high, but does he maybe want to – would rather be a draft and stash kind of player who, who learns from the pro tutelage? Um, you know, I think more recently, uh, after Devin Bushes and, and Kalik Hudson, after their sophomore years, um, they sure looked ready to go pro. I mean, it's, it's – uh, that's just my personal view. I, I, I defer to an NFL scout who felt differently, but I don't know if – I don't know if they made this amazing jump from their sophomore to junior year that um, elevated them to being more ready for the pros. And, and I think, I think it's, it's hard because the difference between college and the NFL is so big, but I think with the top tier players, the difference is a little bit smaller now. I mean, you are seeing more, you're seeing more rookies make the pro bowl team. You're seeing more second year players make the pro bowl team than you did in the nineties and the early two thousands. Um, and you're seeing a little bit in high school and college too, just, you know, players from some of these top prep schools, I mean, they already have college level coaching and facilities. So I think, I think football players are developing on, on occasion 
sooner than they were before and they have access to um, you know more training and, and and things like that so um, yeah I think I think you could run through I mean Jabril Peppers probably was effectively ready after his second year oh yeah uh, he's the first know. one I, he's the first one I thought of yeah sure. yeah I mean the, the list the list in Michigan I think there's a few guys who if they could have gone pro after their sophomore year uh, they would have taken that you know, and, and they and there probably would have been a market for them to be drafted. Maybe it's not as high as you mentioned. Maybe it's like fifth round, and they're not thrilled about that. Uh, but same time, anyway, we got a few other things to talk about on here. Let's do um, you know some of these ones are, are a little bit smaller. We've kind of discussed it. Being able to talk to real advisors, agents, things like that. Uh, obviously, Jim Harbaugh's been he's on record saying he wants football to stay amateur um that that's a different discussion i i see where he's coming from with it um but i, I do like that what do you think about this um the five-year redshirt rule I, I i actually really like this i think i think it might have been nick rolovich actually that said it first when he was coaching at hawaii um if it wasn't him i'm sorry it was someone else in the in the mountain west or the WAC or, or one of those west coast conferences but he um but Basically, Harbaugh saying everyone gets five years. There's no red shirt this, red shirt that. Everyone gets five years. I think this should have been done when they did the four-year red shirt or four-game red shirt rule. I think this should have been. I think this should have actually replaced it. And I do get it from a perspective. Would this financially hurt some of the group of five schools because they're on the hook? They're potentially on the hook for another scholarship year uh, for these, for these football players, which is 85 scholarships too. It's not, you know, you could, you know, for some of the, I, I don't think there's any sport that has more than 18 scholarships in college sports, except then you have football, which is 85. So that part of it, I, I want to, again, Jim Harbaugh's not solving college football's problems in 1100 word, uh, you know, open letter, but it's one idea I really like because I, yeah, let's use um, let's use Josh Ross as an example, and I mean, I mean, there's other ones too. Pretty much everyone who's redshirted before was probably a part of it. I hate seeing players benched to preserve a redshirt. I that has never sat well with me. That's never been like a, I mean, just I think anyone who's played sports is like, just imagine if your coach said, "Oh, you can only play in this amount of games, or or you're you're done for the year because we want." we want to preserve your eligibility. Um, it's just, is there any downside to just giving everybody five years saying, however you want to use it, however you want to use it. Um, if you want to get a master's degree, cool. If you're done after four years and you want to get on with your life, cause you're, you're not going to play a ton. That's fine. If you want to go pro, that's fine. You know, like Josh Ross, it's hard for me not to say his development was at least somewhat stunted because he, and I, I don't think this was, Michigan did anything wrong here, but he and Michigan came to an agreement that they would, he would basically sit out and redshirt to have another year of eligibility. It's like, just imagine if he could just go back in and it's not that big of a deal. Or, you know, Carlo Kemp's got his fingers crossed in December that they uh, rule him a, a fifth year of eligibility because of injuries he sustained or whatever. It's like, why? I, I, I don't, I, I don't think these players' careers should – the length of their career should not be dictated in meetings. 
and in hearings and in, and it seems like this is a theme with Harbaugh's rules is he doesn't want lawyers involved. He doesn't want paperwork and forms and, and, you know, boardroom meetings and, and things like that. And, and, you know, character references and vouching for players and making the pitch. He just wants it to be clear rules. And I actually really like the five-year deal. Again, the financial part is probably the one hang up I can think of, but from a fan perspective, from a player perspective, is there any downside to this rule? I mean, players can play when, when the coach feels like they're ready to play. They get five years. I don't, I don't know who loses in this situation. I agree. You're right. He's, yeah, he's not big on the bureaucracy, like the, all that kind of crap, hundred percent. So no, I mean, any- not much to add. Sorry. Just not much to add in that. Cause that's pretty crystal clear. And I agree with you. Another angle that really should have been enacted a while ago. That makes total sense again for the players, you know, and their futures. Uh, another, another slam dunk one. Again, probably just the finances is the one part that there would be pushback on. Um, players who leave early and didn't finish their degrees should be allowed to come back. I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. Uh, again, that easy was, for me to say because no, it's not my money. Was, right. But that was one of the biggest – that was one of the easiest – that's like – that's so – like that's one of those things. That's the one that was like, how is that not already <laughs> a thing? You know, you talk about – then there's, you know, the talk about how much – money these schools generate off of the athletic programs and stuff it's like 200 million a year for michigan by the way where it's like you're telling me that yeah like that should be a no doubt no brainer and actually that was one barely heard mentioned or discussed nationally yesterday you know and i think that while it wasn't you know like a you know, he had, had a couple of really long paragraphs and then some like smaller, I know this was one of the smaller points, but I actually think it's one of the bigger deals in the situation because it's one that might affect a higher number of guys, mm-hmm. you know? So no, another no brainer. That one was a, that one was a big one. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, we don't need to grandstand too much about it, but I, to me, if you're, if you're offering a player a scholarship, I think it should be through the degree through the degree, if, if they want it. Now, if they, if it's not for them and they don't really care, and um, you know, it's, it's America, you can do whatever you want. But I think, I, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's manipulative by, by the NCAA to, um, to basically not, you know, once you leave, once you take any sort of benefit for your craft, even though you're a world-class athlete, uh, you're basically dead to the NCAA. I mean, they, they just, they don't, you know, you can't, can't be on the, you know, obviously being on the team, that's a different discussion with the amateur sports, but yeah, I, I always felt, and, and you are seeing more athletes come back. I know, I know Michigan hockey has had several of their, you know, one and done, two and done players come back and get their degrees lately. Um, you know, Juwan Howard, I, I, I wonder if he would speak on this. Cause I know he came back, I believe he came back in the off seasons and got his degree a couple years down the line, as I recall. Forgive me if that's slightly inaccurate. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it seems like an easy one. Um, Steve, you know more about this than I do. The scholarship limit deal, uh, that's probably the one that's not as slam dunk because there, there have been recent restrictions put in place to ensure 
uh, avoiding oversigning. I guess what what do you see when you see this this rule? What is, what is your take on it? With the no cap? Yeah. I mean, it'd be I there'd have to be more detail put into how you would implement something like that because it sure. does it would get a little dicey after a while, right? I mean, you can't <laughs> you can't sign like 38 guys. You know, I, I it would it would really I mean, you, what do you do? You know, you say you're 15 over the cap. Like, well, if there's no cap, but I mean, where where do you draw the line? Right. How big does the roster become? You know, I mean. Well, I, so, okay. One thing to note, do you think this was kind of a if this, then that kind of rule? Because he's saying allow one-time transfers, allow players to, to come back if they don't get drafted. It, do you think he's kind of, throwing that in there to Could help be. some of these rules make sense. Because I do think if they do one-time transfers, you're going to have seasons and teams where you just can't keep your, I mean, you can, you can, you'll stay under the 85 scholarship limits, but in a given year, you won't be under 25. I think it'd be, it'd almost be impossible. It almost right. makes me wonder if how many recruits did they have this, this past year? Uh, they signed. Twenty three. Twenty three. Eh, with, with one transfer. Okay. So Yeah, I so I it almost makes me wonder if Harbaugh got bit by this rule at some point, because I don't I think you I mean you're right. I, at some point there has to be something to stop schools from oversigning like crazy. Um just because that 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 hurts the kids. And and you know, high school recruits, unlike pro recruits they they don't have they don't all have access to the same kind of good advice good counsel hey don't sign with this school because they're signing like four other running backs uh or or hey don't sign with this school because um they're gonna sign this quarter you know they don't necessarily have all that information so yeah i was i was curious from a recruiting perspective if there's any i mean yeah you're you're right they they probably need more details i wonder with one-time transfer though do you because if a team loses three players to transfer, shouldn't they, in theory, be able to add three more recruits if they have the spots for it? Right. That's where. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, I think we covered them all, didn't we? I think so. Cool. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's worth reading. Uh, if if you haven't read it yet, I assume most of our listeners probably have read something of it. Again, I I really think. I mean, I guess it is ironic that some of these rules are kind of expensive and he's, he's doing it at a time where um, smaller schools or group of five schools are scaling back their budgets. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't applaud Jim Harbaugh a lot, but I do applaud him for this, that he's, he's bringing forth some more important than other, but some of these issues, uh, because I think, I think there's so much talk about name image likeness, which is a worthy discussion to have. But at the same time, there's a lot of other ways that the NCAA can accommodate the student athletes better, if, if especially if they want to maintain their amateur status. So, um, yeah, I think I said I tweeted it. I said he's had some out there ideas in the past. I, I thought his um, 11-team college football playoff thing was bananas. Made no sense. Uh, you know, there there's been some other ideas he's had about things that I'm like, ah, I don't know about that one. 
I don't know about that one, but I thought this one, you know, and, and I, I think he deserves some credit because he didn't just say it at a press conference. He actually did the homework, did it, did the rationale, um, you know, and, and offered background for why. I mean, he had a whole, his whole second page was basically explaining his thought process. And so, yeah, I thought, but I mean, A's across the board, uh, you know, we'll, the NCAA would have to have a more thorough breakdown of some of the caveats or, or avoiding some of the loopholes that, that teams would try to find because it's, it's college football. It's a very cutthroat uh, industry. But for getting the conversation started, I think he did – I think this is really good stuff. Agree. Not much else to say there. There we go. So we'll be writing about it. Uh, we'll try to find some, some Michigan angles. We'll obviously be – I know Jim Harbaugh, I think while we were recording, uh, you know, John Jansen's In the Trenches podcast came out with, with uh, Jim was on it. You know, first time he's been on it that I can remember. I mean, he might have been on in the fall. But Jim Harbaugh hasn't, hasn't spoken a ton in 2020, but he spoke up on this. So um, with that, check out all of our stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. If you like the podcast, uh, love to love to see good – or we'll love to see ratings and reviews, but we especially love to see good ones. Um, and, and, and any feedback that you have for us, uh, feel, free to, feel free to chime in. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.